Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. So, Garrett, if you don't mind, again, the Big 12 standings and where we are, that link that I put up in the chat room is phenomenal. You can change one game that is the, of a team that's favored this weekend, and it could throw everything into a mess. There you go. Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, K-State, Iowa State. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I would love to see the ultimate chaos after this week if everybody is at 6-2 and two in the conference. Kansas plays Kansas State. Well, I guess that Iowa happen, State yeah. hosts Texas. Um, at Oklahoma game, they bounce back with a f- vengeance and, and now in the middle of it. Now, if you don't use that link, and I'm asking you to do it, it's interesting. For example, if you were to just take Iowa State beating Texas Saturday night, just throw it out there, it, like, throws everything into a haywire. So there is a chance that you could have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State in a tie for second, and I think if that's the case, Kansas State's going to end up playing in the Big 12 championship game. I'm not trying to talk against it, but use that link if you want when you get confused on that. Now, here are the games this week in the Big 12. Oklahoma, early on against a flailing BYU. There's a lot of teams in the Big 12 who could fit that description. Cincinnati, West Virginia. Baylor, for the fifth consecutive week, is on ESPN+. That's where they are. And TCU, of course, after playing well, Coming back with a nice second half, but falling short against Texas. Oklahoma State, Houston, UCF, Texas Tech. That's going to be interesting after what we saw this past weekend. Kansas State in Lawrence, and then Texas on the road against Ames, uh, against Iowa State and Ames on a night game at 7 o'clock. Yeah, it's an interesting schedule this week. Um, that Texas and Iowa State game, to me, the most interesting one. This is the, you know, one of the last shots of the originals or the left behind ones to get Texas. And if they did that, if I use the link that you sent 
if Iowa State wins and everybody else that's got their same record wins, uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma would be in the title game. Yep, Texas would drop the fourth yeah. in the tiebreaker. Fourth if they lose that game Saturday night, if the others above uh, Iowa State also win. Now, uh, the games we saw, we spent time a little bit on them, but let's go back and discuss the games that we saw. Let's start with Texas and TCU. Uh, Jonathan Brooks out. Ewers had a big pass to uh, Mitchell at a couple of touchdowns. He's been fantastic. Worthy was great. Uh, they just had too much firepower. But you can almost sense, even from Steve Sarkeesian, that Texas is not putting teams away. They're winning, though. They're 9-1, but they're not putting teams away. Yeah, this didn't have as much sizzle to it as, you know, more recent meetings when TCU's been in the top 25 and been a lot hotter. Uh, but then again, Texas hasn't always been as hot as they are. So there was still, you know, a lot of intrigue uh, here. And just the fact that TCU has gotten their number or had their number on multiple occasions over the last few years. Uh, not that it's been one-sided by any means, but TCU, as much as anybody, has been able to kind of jump up and be that uh, that thorn in Texas's side. And so uh, they nearly were once again. And this time it was about as improbable as, as any of the meetings because of the fact that TCU is just not a very good team, really. I mean, four and five rolling in, now four and six. Uh, they're favored by – I mean, you want to know how bad Baylor is? Oh, we'll get to that. TCU's favored by 14. two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, God almighty. But uh, I was, I was very um, – uh, impressed by TCU's resiliency uh, to make this a game. You know, got out early and, um, you know, showed pretty clearly in that first quarter that, hey, this could be a little bit of a tussle. And then Texas, it looked like they were just going to run away with it in the second quarter uh, when they went on their run. Um, but, yeah, I mean, TCU uh, hung around and then had the huge fourth quarter, obviously. Amani Bailey with a big game and a couple of big touchdown catches uh, there in the final few minutes to uh, make this one a little bit too close for comfort for the Longhorns and make them sweat a little bit. So, um, not the upset that a lot of people were rooting for, but a closer game than I actually expected. I thought t- uh, Texas would kind of handle them, and at halftime it seemed like that was probably going to be the case up by 20. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good fight by the Frogs, and uh, just not enough, though, in the end. And Texas, you know, it's not their dream season because they lost to Oklahoma, but all their dreams are still very much alive, you know, and they, and they in some ways control their own destiny, certainly as far as the Big 12 goes not as much necessarily with the college football playoff, but they are right there, like the first in line or second in line at that door if that door opens up for those four spots. So uh, that was a win that they needed to keep those hopes alive. They're sitting pretty, but with the John and Brooks injury and the fact that TCU made that a game the way they did, I do think there's a little bit of a concern about putting people away. I think that's a valid concern to have, but you just got to win them at the end of the day, and that's what Texas was able to do. And their defense is so freaking good, man, especially up front. It's just it's silly how talented they are up front. That's just a mismatch that not a lot of teams in the country are going to be able to contend with. And when you get to the playoff, that's when you'll see teams that are, are able to have units more like that. I love what I saw what Texas did, though, when the game got a little bit dicey and TCU was with three. It was third down, whatever, and they threw a fade to, uh, to Mitchell, who's on his back diving, hits, catches it, doesn't let the ground deflect. That's just a big boy play. That's what you do. I mean, that's what you do. You don't, like, try to run a five-yard play when you need seven. Be aggressive with it. And they, they felt like they if they didn't make the, the, the catch, then you punt it away, and then you play defense. You know, if, if Texas were to get in the playoff, they are they're a, because of that defense, 
they're a bad matchup for Georgia and Michigan. Defensive front. Defensive yeah. front, yeah. Uh, because of that defensive front, they're a bad matchup for Georgia and Michigan, particularly Michigan, because Michigan doesn't have guys that can beat you on the outside. Now, um, you know, if they were to say – wind up in the playoff playing Washington, that's probably the worst thing that could happen because Washington's well, like, they played the well, ball game yeah, last year. We, we, don't, we don't need to throw – we don't want to run the ball that much anyway. We're just going to step back and throw it and, and make your secondary uh, try and, and contain what we've got going on. That, that's interesting. Now, and it could be just they – they could wind up playing Oregon in a bowl game, and that game would be fantastic. And then that's, that's a pretty even matchup to me either way around. Um, but yeah, because of their defensive front, they're going to be able to withstand a lot of problems yeah. that that they could come around. Where you know you there, there's not going to be a team that can get a lead on them in the fourth quarter and reasonably expect to run out the clock. Yeah, I mean they're just they're they're really stout against the run. TCU only had 88 rushing yards. I mean I know Bonnie Bailey had 98, but then you count sacks and whatnot, and you end up with you know less than 100 yards rushing uh, for TCU. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's still a little bit of concern about that secondary. Um, but when, to your point, you match up and you just like, you, you want to get into the battle of the trenches. Now, Michigan will have their say or, you know, others will have their say, Alabama, Georgia, obviously. But yeah, I think Texas can, can walk in any of those battles and feel like, yeah, our dudes up front, especially on the defensive line can go toe to toe with your guys and, and win a lot of those battles. I mean, there's just, there's NFL talent right there. And it's, it's very obvious when you watch them. Um, but yeah, I mean TCU made it made it a game. Uh, Josh Hoover had some big pass plays uh, late to uh, to make that exciting, but uh, just not enough in the end. And uh, should have had a lot more earlier on. I mean, it was six nothing entering the fourth quarter. Uh, you do anything else earlier in that game, and and maybe it's a different outcome uh, rather than having to score three touchdowns and. You know, just wish there was more time remaining or that you could get one more stop. But I, I do think you mentioned Adonai Mitchell, uh, Adonai Mitchell, and uh, he's got a clutch gene that just not a lot of yes. guys have. Like, you can you can recruit four-star wide receivers and expect them to be pretty good, but not everybody comes equipped with, like, that ability to just make that big catch that can seal a game for you. And he's done that what feels like multiple times for them already this year. Um, that was a huge uh, first down catch that you were referring to to put it away. And, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a really good player. That was, right. a, that was a big pickup for them this offseason. All right, so there was that game. The Oklahoma game against West Virginia, I was watching that. When we did the pregame, I went home. And, I mean, that thing, that it was somewhat competitive, but that thing was over quickly. Gabriel and, and OU and OU's defense, they just mauled the Mountaineers. Um, it felt a little like the LSU-Florida game in that, you know, West Virginia had a couple of, you know, shots to take and and they you know early on you think like okay well maybe if their defense plays like their defense has and then before you know like the third water break their defense took it was like all over for them yeah i mean oklahoma just swarmed them i mean mm -hmm. they, they they were up big uh pretty quickly uh, at halftime i mean that game was already pretty much out of reach it felt like the way that it had gone so um yeah i mean that was just a, a harsh reality check for for West Virginia you've had a pretty good year but rolling into Norman against a team that's had a couple of losses in a row and clearly knows like it's now or never for this season um, that was just a bad recipe for the Mountaineers to walk into uh, Oklahoma is a really good team it's just that they've lost a couple of really tough games but Drake Stoops had a monster showing I mean what a day for Drake Stoops I should have mentioned with TCU Savion Williams had a really nice day for yeah, them as did. well in the he passing just, game he one. had a big game that's worth mentioning Josh Hoover you see little signs with him that 
he could be pretty good when when all is said and done. But but going back to to OU, uh, Drake Stoops, uh, monster day for him with 164 yards and three touchdowns on 10 catches. Um, able to run the ball really effectively uh, as well uh, with Gavin Sawchuck being the the main star there. Gabriel obviously had a huge day, so yeah, just way too much Sooners. They were just they were they were the better team, and uh, there was just no answer for that offense. All right, Kansas State mauled Baylor. Uh, it, it was uh, at one point like thirty eight to nineteen, and at least like oh okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden you had a pick six, and you had a, a this and that. It was I score. think a scoop and score, and that thing got out of hand. Uh, as really was not surprising whatsoever. A nice bounce-back win for the Wildcats after the tough loss in Austin the week before. I mean, Blake Shapin threw four touchdowns, which he's never done before, so that's cool. Um, that's about all you take away from this game, though, was, hey, that was neat. Good good record for you. And uh, what, Dawson Pendergrass caught a couple of touchdowns. Cool for him. There's little individual moments, and that's all you can really take away from this game. Guys, I don't know how they keep doing this. I, I really do. I do not know how they keep doing this. Uh, I know they can for the next couple of weeks. They have no choice. The TCU game's a big rivalry game. But I felt like even watching Dave Arand in the post game that there's a guy who at least in the past few weeks and fans didn't want to hear it and they're tired of hearing it, but he at least like seemed as though there were reasons that he believed in and things that were happening behind the scenes that he believed in, that this was all still going, not according to plan, but... It was still in their control, so to speak. That seemed like a man who had absolutely no answers and no idea of where to turn next in the postgame. And I don't blame him because you just got nearly 60 hung on you. And if Kansas State wanted to, they could have pushed it down and, and pushed it past 60 if they really had wanted to. Um, you had a, a touchdown there at the very end of the game that made that even a 34-point game. It was going to be a 40-plus point loss. And then Monterey Baldwin, his one catch on the day, comes at the very end of the game, a little six-yard touchdown. Um, besides that, he was non-existent. Uh, I mean, you really have to like, just go like, well, uh, Dominic Richardson had 89 yards. That's cool. Like I said, Shapin had four, but like, that's all you walk away with. There's no, they're better. They're getting better. This is turning the corner. There's hope for the future. There's none of that after that game. It's just a big old butt whooping that you could see coming from a mile away. But the problem is, is like now even the one guy who you didn't really believe, but you're like, oh, he's the head coach. Like, okay, he knows where this is going. Even he doesn't sound like he has an answer now at this point. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know how you keep running this back uh, besides the next couple of games and, and expect everybody to just stick with this. Thing. Mac Rhodes will join us tomorrow. Here's a conversation. Again, we're not going to run the whole thing. This is about a minute long. My question for Dave Aranda uh, today during his weekly presser. Dave, with how this season has gone, and you even mentioned the, the storm around your name last week when you and I spoke, mm -hmm. do you feel like these next two weeks for you is like an interview process or that this is you coaching for your job? No, I appreciate that. I, I think the whole thing is that. You know, I think it's always that. I think that's the – I mean, I, I don't – my aim is to answer your question, but I think I really feel to pull all the way back. I think it's always that. I think it's, you know, um, you have to win. Uh, there's too much money in all of this to not win, and we haven't won, you know. And I think um, the, I think to to um, to know that, and then to, to kind of drop in to Waco, Texas, and 
see that uh, we're trying our best and we're doing all of it and there's still great support, I think really speaks to the leadership and the type of people that they are, you know. And so I'm very appreciative of that. But uh, I fully know that we have to win. And we, you know, we needed to win a couple weeks ago, too. So we're trying our best to do that. That's a very practical answer. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it, 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 like the, there's, that's the, I mean, to me, that's the, 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 the most straightforward way to answer that question without getting into the, you know, getting angry about it or like you've seen coaches answer that same question every, every which way, but loose, but yeah, that's the truth. There's a lot of money in it. And this is a team that, you know, you, that the game the other day was the worst one all year as far as getting blown out. And they've, they've done it a couple of times, but they cannot do two good things in a row. Okay, so Kansas State goes down and scores on the first drive, right? Yeah. Baylor goes and responds. Best hey, drive of the year. Yeah, best drive of the whole year. Hey, that's great. What do you do immediately after you kick the extra point? You give them 50 yards on a kick return almost, and they're set up to do it again. And then before you can say jackrabbit, it's 28-7. to seven. Yeah. yeah, you had a special teams miscue drop at the yeah. punt near the I – mean, like the, yeah, I mean, I, I forget the order now. Was the, yeah. the scoop and score was right after that, yeah. and then it was 21-7, like, boom. Like, it was 7-7, and then all of a sudden it's 21-7, then it's 28-7, then it's 35-7, and, yeah, it's it's a blowout. And I, I, I like the guy a whole lot, but, I mean, I just – there's an apathy there now that's apparent. And I think I said in an article is, yes, this is big business, as A&M has shown, as he just pointed out as well. There are lives, you know, as far as livelihoods that are on the line. There's this very real deal, real life things here, but it's also supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be entertaining, right? And you can't always guarantee wins, but there's nothing fun about this right now. And, and I can't imagine those in the program are having a whole lot of fun given they're right in the center of that, that storm. And so it's just a, it's a rough deal. It's it a is. Rough deal. And it'll be interesting to hear Mac. Rhodes, we need to break, come back with Brett McMurphy, his thoughts about some of the coaching openings too. But uh, do what what happened in College Station or anywhere else, Does that how does that affect if you're an AD and you might be looking for somebody else if, in fact, you do make a change, which does seem like it's more towards that than anything else. Not that anyone from the athletic department has told me that, but, that, that Craig, you're right. It's just how can you keep doing this over and over again? It's got to be some major changes no matter where it is. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.